It's good to see everybody. I am so thrilled to be back with you guys. I heard Waterbury brought down the house last week. Someone texted me that a quote that he had last week. If you're looking for someone classy, Eric will be back next week. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I started what I thought was going to be just like a single night on hearing God's voice. And if you were to pull 90% of the churches out there and, and 90% of the stuff professing Christians in the church and ask them, how many of you hear and interact with the Holy Spirit, hear God's voice? Studies have shown it's right around maybe like 10%. Meaning that you have about 90% of Christians who don't know what on earth you're talking about, about hearing God's voice. In fact, we think those who do are weird. But yet, if we look at the scriptures, and if, if, if you didn't attend a couple weeks ago, check it out, I give a whole bunch of scriptural braces for how we are destined to communicate and interact with God. That surely a father who calls us our children, that we have a dialogue, that we have an impact, we have a direct access to him. And so uh, last week I talked about the, the nature of the birthright, uh, that it is to hear God's voice. It comes along with being adopted as his son or daughter. Um, we also talked about how that in the nature of God speaking to you, that he will speak to you in whatever form you will best receive. That there is no formula. There is no, I have to do it this way. There is no special dance or handshake you gotta do, any of that stuff. And then we looked at some of the different scriptures about how has God spoken to his people in the past and kind of tossed it out there as these are some of the ways in which God can speak to you. I have about 10 of them. I only got through about five last week or two weeks ago. Um, a couple of them, uh, I'll just give you. One was a burning heart. When Jesus came back on the road to Emmaus, the, uh, the disciples said, well, wasn't our hearts burning when Jesus was with us that he actually invades our presence and his voice speaks to us through our heart, I believe. He also speaks through the scriptures that the scripture's alive and that it is breathing with us. It is revealing to us. It's, it's ever living and present in our life. We've seen scriptural references for an audible voice, which is kind of crazy. I know people who have experienced that themselves. Um, your own thoughts and words, too. Sometimes people are, are expecting some big, huge, you know, feathered quill to come down and etch something in the, the stone. And, and we, we forget that sometimes that our hands and our words and our writings and our ideas are actually linked to the prophetic. It's actually linked to God's heart. We also talked about dreams and the prophetic, having visions and, oh, what was that about my dream? I had seven doves land and 14 sharks come and eat them. And, you know, maybe not like that. That doesn't sound like a prophetic dream. But we have people who um, in this room actually are gifted at understanding the significant biblical nature and signs of dreams. It says in the last days, your young men will see visions and dream dreams. And so we know that God communicates through us through that. So... That's all I got, that's where I left off, and I'm gonna complete the other half of it tonight, hopefully. And so the next one from that, is everybody all cool with that? Yeah, all right. The next one is other people. Some of you are like, oh man. <laughs> you can hear God's voice through other people. It is important that we are in tune with what God is speaking to each one of us because the chances are there's something in there for each one of us. That if it's called, we are the family of believers, Galatians 6. We're the family of believers. We have a heavenly father. We're all children. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Sometimes the father has family news. 
Sometimes he's going to give something to the family. There's certainly times where he's going to speak to one individual child and, and that has its place, but there's a large part of when we interact with God that there's something in there for us. The truth is that what is heard from God, whether it is individually or corporately, is actually destined to be shared with others. I'm not talking about God like putting a finger on one you know, really dark thing or, or, or something like that where you're, you're having to come up here and you know, share things that you never would on a microphone. We're not asking him to come up with a microphone and, and share everything. You know, there's a, a place for what God reveals in you. But often what we hear from God is for other people, kind of like you know, group text messaging, <laughs> you know, where he wants us broadcast out to his children. And uh, Jesus, we talked about two weeks ago that Matthew 10, 27, it says, what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. The nature of his voice, he, he links what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs, not privately journal and stay by yourself. That there is a, a nature into his dialogue that is intended for us to live in community. One of the most powerful things you can do to come in here is not Although we have amazing worship, it's great. Although we have great food, great pizza, we have pumpkins here, we have surfboards, there's lots of good things here, right? Hopefully the message doesn't suck too bad. I'm just kidding. But the, the greatest thing that you can do actually is to be in community and to be in relationship with other people who can hear God because the most powerful people I know live out and speak out what God is sharing with them individually. Anyone can read a commentary on theology. Anybody can. There's free apps, there's websites, there's endless books, but not everyone can share the thoughts and opinions from the heart of God to you. And that is so critical that we live in relationship with other people who are hearing God. But there also is a point where hearing from God through other people actually becomes unhealthy. So it's a double-edged sword. Hearing from God... Uh, through other people should be the cherry on top. It shouldn't be the main event. God shouldn't always have to speak through someone else in order to speak to you. Remember that God will speak to you in however you will best receive. He will customize his message, his means to reach you, whatever that means. And sometimes that means someone else, but the ideal way is to receive it directly from yourself. But if you don't establish your own line of communication with God, and that's what this is about. If you don't establish your own direct connection to God, to his voice, you will become dependent upon someone else's. One of the very first times that I encountered the prophetic, someone gave me a word, and it was so right on. I was like, yes. The next Sunday, I was like, what else you got for me? You know, And every single week, I would go back to the same person. It was kind of like, okay, there's my red phone person. He's got the red phone. He can dial up, give me my message. I'm off for the week. It's great. It's kind of like the mission impossible, right? And you go and live and then like I go back and find that one person who can have the God connection. I thought that the God connection, the red phone to God, as I used to joke about it, was given to only individual people. And as I read the scriptures, and you can go back to our message, that every one of us is designed and purposed and built to hear directly from the Holy Spirit and hear from God. If you live in an apartment or you live in houses that are kind of close together and you, uh, maybe you just move in, open your laptop, you're like, ah, oh, you need Wi-Fi, right? Well, if the neighbor, right, this is like the greatest gift from God. The neighbor has 
an unprotected password Wi-Fi. It is glorious. You're just like, hallelujah. You're on and you are so stoked because you just saved like 90 bucks a month. Now, a neighbor who has a password-free Wi-Fi actually keeps you from ever buying your own Wi-Fi. You're going to be satisfied with bumming off your own friend or your own neighbor, someone you don't even know. <laughs> you're, you're mooching off his band. You'll be perfectly satisfied mooching off of someone's line and it'll keep you ever from establishing your own. So in a community like this where we have lots of people who hear from God, it's totally rad. Just be on guard that God is like, I give that to you as a gift, but it's not meant to be the primary method. The primary method is for you to establish your own connection. Hearing only from other people might also mean something else significant. It might also mean that God tried to give it to you directly, but you wouldn't have anything with it. Sometimes we hear from God, we're like, eh, Hear from God again? Nah, maybe that was something else. And then someone else gets it to you and you're like, whoa, that's like what I was thinking all along. And I think in that moment, Jesus is like face palming. He's like, really? You, you had to go through those steps? I gave it to you several times. And so sometimes hearing from God is, from other people is great, but other times it's an unnecessary extra step that God did not intend for us. And it means that sometimes that we are refusing to hear God's first go around with it. God is always speaking, but listening is optional. It's up to you whether or not you want to tune in and listen. So as we talk about living amongst people who hear from God, ask yourself, how much do I hear from God? Mental gauge. Ask yourself, how much do my friends hear from God? I bet those levels will be almost identical. It's impossible for us to think that we're going to hear from God when none of our friends hear from God and vice versa. And the best way that you can help establish your own connection to God and help hear from God is to live in community with people who do hear from God. Next, silence and meditation. This is kind of like my number one deal. But here's the issue is that our, our culture is obsessed with not being bored. If you were to find me on Twitter, you'd see my bio. It says, my passion is not being bored. That's like the best way to describe like all the things I like. I just like not being bored. I don't care what I'm doing as long as I'm not bored. But we are the most connected generation ever, but we're also the most lonely. All you guys probably have one of these, right? It's buzzing. I mean, it's buzzing right now. It's crazy. It's, it's ringing, it's tweeting, it's liking, it's poking, it's doing all those different things. <laughs> and as a, a culture, we are so terrified of ever having a moment of being left to our own thoughts. It's amazing how like, things the smartphones have completely eliminated in life. You know, it's like nobody carries maps. When was the last time anyone was lost? Someone says, oh, I got lost. How? Don't you have a little palm device that's connected to satellite dishes? How did you get lost? You know, it's impossible. And um, I really got excited about that one. I don't know why. Um, but we're, we're so terrified of having like a moment that we are, are like, I don't know what to do. I'm just by myself with my own thoughts. There's rarely a time, maybe the first 10 minutes on a flight, you're like, I never know what to do right now. I can't be on my phone. There's a vomit bag. I guess I could read that. 
but there is, there's such a rarity of us being by ourselves with our own thoughts and just being present. And I suffer from that too. The, the, the thing about me is like, it feels like my mind and my body is addicted to stimulation. And that stimulation is what drowns out, that drive for stimulation is what drives out the desire to be present with Jesus. Have you ever tried to hang out with somebody? You're like talking to them, you're like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, cool, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, right, right on, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So what else is going on? Right, okay. Oh yeah, I'm still listening, yeah, yeah. Now imagine you're with somebody who's doing that. And then imagine you are God. Be like lightning bolt maybe? <laughs> Make your battery die? I don't know. Like it would be really frustrating, but isn't that what we do? Like I, I just, if I, when I get up in the morning and I'm going to go do my quiet, I have to leave my phone somewhere else. All my distractions, all the things that want to tear me away from the presence of God are in this little handheld device. And it, it's just like God is, is dying to talk to you. And, and you're, you're, let's say you're there, you're like silence and you're like, God, I'm ready and down comes a presence and Jesus is like, my son, I've been waiting so long to tell you this one thing. And it is, ding. <gasps> it's a cat in a box. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this has never happened in the history of mankind. I got to share it. I got to group text it to other people. LOL, you know. That is what it must be like with billions of Christians and God every single day. So if you actually want to hear from God, try to take that little box that's trying to scream for your attention and get, away of, get out of it, its way and just, just be present. 1 Corinthians 19 describes the manifest presence as a still, small voice. God's voice, I believe, comes in a still, small voice. It's really hard to hear a still, small voice in a crowded room. Even when everybody's out here eating pizza, we get on the microphone, we're like shouting people down, come sit down. You know, like we're, we're trying to get everybody's attention. Imagine a still small voice trying to get through with all the distractions in your life. So where would you go if you wanted to go hear a still small voice? I promise to you that God is speaking to you every day, every moment, but you need to alter your surroundings and make room for the still small voice. And what I've realized is that God doesn't have an ego that he needs to you know, over just, you know, emphasize his presence in my life. You ever been around like groups where somebody's really, um, they're really insecure and they got like an ego to kind of guard and they got to be the attention. And so they'll, they'll be the loudest, they'll do something kind of silly, outrageous that they want the attention on them. Well, God doesn't do that. God doesn't have an ego. He doesn't need to shout above you to be heard wise because we know that in 1 John it says God is love. And if you know the scriptures in and. 1 Corinthians 13, that love is not rude. That God so loves you, it isn't his nature to wait for you to invite him in. He's willing and ready to talk if you would make room for him. And when you become disciplined to tune out the distracting thoughts, you'll hear God's thoughts. So ask yourself, when was the last time like, I just sat and meditated? When was the last time I just said, Lord, I'm here, listen? Maybe even at the end of worship tonight. I mean, it doesn't have to be all by yourself, but even like in an environment like this, you know, the, the closing worship, we have prayer teams and, and people like, you can just be there and worship. You don't have to sing any songs. Just say, God, I'm, 
I'm ready to hear, I'm ready to listen. And one of the best ways you can do it, remember we said that God will speak through your own thoughts and actions. Sometimes you need to like catch up to what God is saying and that you can actually begin to say, even if somebody else say, I believe God is speaking to me and start talking. <laughs> and it might like not be legit at first. It might just be you trying to find the words, but I promise you, if you are seeking to hear from God, he is going to come and begin to speak through you, even if it is on your own behalf. But the problem is that we, we don't make time for it. We don't even feel like it's valuable. And people think hearing from God, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible. It is, it's weird. It's all those different things. Hearing from God is not impossible, but we don't think it's worth our time. It's not impossible to hear from God. It just needs to make a difference in your schedule. It needs to be worth your time. Tell me somebody who doesn't hear from God and I'll show you someone who actually puts no effort, makes no room, no space for it. I like that one. Next, <laughs> praying for others. So silence and meditation, that's where I hear personally for me, that's when I get the most revelation from me, not prayer time. When I pray by myself, I make declarations for myself, my family, my future. And when I pray from others, I hear from God. But I don't hear from me, I actually hear for them. So what's the difference in prayer meditation for me? Meditation is listening and praying for me is declaring. I meditate in order to know what to declare. So you don't need to like go and pray and keep on asking requests, asking requests, asking requests. God isn't like, you know, it's hard to listen. If you're in a conversation and you're speaking, it's hard to listen as you're speaking. That's why prayer and meditation is important. But when you pray for other people, it's amazing how many times that God's opinions, his thoughts, his ideas begin to intervene. And the clearest times I've ever heard from God has been actually for other people when I pray for them. It usually happens every Thursday night around that corner over there. I can guarantee you that our entire prayer team, they can say the same thing. The most powerful times I've heard from God when I've stood up here, someone came forth and I prayed for them and I was like, you know, maybe they didn't feel anything at all, but later it got confirmed that, wow, God really spoke to you. Or you say like, God, I just, I see a, a cheeseburger and someone breaks down and you're like, I don't know what that was about. And they're like, I said, God, if you're here, show up in a cheeseburger, you know, like, and, and you, you'll do something like that. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so don't underestimate the people who stand up here every single Thursday night that they don't have the direct access to here on your behalf because I believe that God intended it to be that way. But this, this fact can be alarming, that you don't hear God when you pray. And it can be alarming because it seems that God kind of quiets down. As I grew in my relationship with God, it was funny that the direct things he said to me actually began to taper off. And there's a few reasons why, is that the first thing is that God is on a mission to reach the planet, in newsflash for anybody, that there's a shortage of people who hear from God. You are reaching, God is reaching the world through you and your voice. He is depending upon that you are hearing him to go out and be the hands and feet. And there's a shortage of Christians who actually flow in a dynamic communication. And so God is gonna to begin to speak through you at a greater capacity to others because there's fewer people to hear from God. Amen. <laughs> So when you feel like, oh God, I want something for me and he's only giving me something about other people, it's because there's more people that need to even just know him. 
There's more people that need to be introduced to God who need that connection, that adoption into him. The second one is that even when God isn't speaking, he's still speaking. What sounds like silence from God is actually his last word still taking effect. When you don't feel like you hear from God, I would bet that the chances are that it's the last thing that he said is still taking effect. God didn't forget about what he said last, but I bet you that you did. One of the funny things that is unique about us when someone's like, I got a word for you. Someone's like, you know, record. Okay, go. You know why? Is because we've learned the power of hearing and remembering God's word. It's not just because, oh, we want to sound really cool and keep a memo on our phone or whatever. It's, like, it's because we can go back and go through it and reaffirm, what are the things I missed? I want to know that. But there's this thing in, in Christianity where, um, especially in like the prophetic, where people, they hunger for a bold new command from God and they're more, you know, they're just charging after that. I think God is more interested in what you do with the last word he gave you first. God will speak to you in some profound, awesome ways. You're like, sweet, awesome. Back to normal life, you know? And you're like, God, where's my big, bold command again? You know, there's something about, you know, going out to nations or something. Anyways, what's the new one? Have you, have you noticed that there's people who are addicted to like big motivational conferences and they never do anything with their life? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like the people who go to those crazy pump you up, crush it 2014, they're not, they're not crushing it. They're not doing anything significant. And they hop to all the other conferences. It drives me nuts. But the same thing can be in hearing God's voices that people go through one bold, thrilling command to the next, to the next and, and never experience living it out. If you want to really walk powerfully for God, you go and listen and you're like, God, give me something that I can knock out of the park. Don't, if people come like, God, give me something like, how many cities am I going to build? I'm ready. And he's just like, feed my sheep. How about the, the person who's sitting by themselves and they come in here? They're like, service starts at seven, but I'm by myself and the screen doesn't say anything, you know? And God's like, why would I give you a stadium of people if you can't entertain an audience of one? And so God will speak to you in such profound ways if you would listen and understand that he has something for you, but his silence right now may be either his last word taking effect or it might be that he wants you to do something with the last word he gave you. I've also found that many times a word from God will endure through season for me. That sometimes, like right now, the season I'm in, I just feel God saying just more. I don't figuring out what that means. <laughs> but it's a recurring thing and I'm just trying to sow seeds into more Jesus. Also, on that diminishing, um, what seems to be a diminishing dialogue with Jesus also, um, let me put it this way. A secure and healthy relationship doesn't need constant dialogue. I hate awkward silences. You wanna see me squirm? Put me in a taxi cab. <laughs> so where are you from, you know? Like, I can't handle silence. It's so hard. My wife is like embarrassed. I'm like, so what made you come from Brazil? And oh, what's the food like there? I'm like doing anything to fill the time and traffic lights. Oh, I got to keep talking because I can't, I can't handle the silence, you know? You don't want to sit next to me on a plane. Like, I just, it, it, it drives me nuts. But 
the deeper and more intimate a relationship, the less pressure there is for the dialogue. The deeper the intimacy in a relationship, the less pressure there is for constant dialogue. The thing I love about my wife is that I can just enjoy being in her presence and just not even say anything at all. I don't need to exchange words to feel connected. We walked around the city in San Francisco this past week and I just, I just loved walking, just looking and having her hand. Like being present with her is sufficient. So those are the reasons why maybe sometimes you can feel like God isn't speaking as much, but um, get prayer from other people. Get prayer at the, the service here. Chances are you're going to hear from God. And even if you already hear from God, you're going to get a different perspective, likely. Someone's going to see things and hear from God differently than you hear. Um, but churches have a really weird thing, and this is such a bummer, that you might be in your seat like saying, oh, I need to go for prayer this week. Like I feel like maybe somebody has you know, a word for me. I feel God might want to speak to me through the prayer ministry. And then, then someone gets up and like, you know, we're just now going to go in a time ministry and if you're an axe murderer or if you're abusing your wife, come forward for prayer. And you're like, you don't want to go up. You're like, I'm not that. You know, like you don't want to make a connection to the ministry time and the prayer team. You know, like, come on. I feel that, don't you? But people have this stigma that, well, if I really go to the front, well, it's because I'm, you know, they talk about pornography or something like that. I'm <laughs> like, oh, you know. It doesn't need to be that way. It needs about, it need, and just so you know, like, we just encourage anybody, no matter what, it's just, it doesn't need to be about the message. It can be like, my dog got ran over. I don't know, it can be anything. And people will pray for you and hear on your behalf and help buoy you over. How are you guys doing? Are you okay? Okay. Obedience and victory. There's a reason why it feels so good to do right instead of wrong. Jesus is always revealed in places of obedience. Jesus is always revealed in places of obedience. I had a really challenging time the past couple of days. I felt I was hearing from God and a, a few of us, and so we made a decision and it like blew up in our face, like royally blew up in our face. And... Um, why don't we just reply back to all trust? It's like, shut up. You know, like, I don't want to hear that. I want to go fix it. I want to go, like, crush it. You know, I want to go do something else. I want to do something about it. But obedience, and he just said trust, and, and lo and behold, it was right on. That our obedience revealed Jesus in such a powerful way that we couldn't have. Jesus even promises in John 14, 21, he basically says, I am revealed when my children obey. The greater the victory we have, the more aware of his presence and his voice we should become. And our victory, our victory always creates a response from God. Don't think that there's not a response from God about you um, doing whatever, whatever decisions you're gonna make for next Thursday. You know, there's gonna be temptations. It's, it's, you know, all the cute girls are wearing the smallest amount of outfits in one night. It's great, right? There's candy, sugar, beer. Like, you know, you're, you're like, this is perfect, you know. And you make decisions to keep yourself away from that and you think there's no reward. You think there's like nothing. It is the biggest lie. In the moments of our victory is when Jesus celebrates and we actually should be hearing from him. He is so honored and thrilled when we make choices 
for victory. For example, we're trying to potty train our two-year-old. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. And every day we take her to the potty. Do you want to go pee-pee in the potty? No, you know. <laughs> well, let's try anyways, you know. And day after day after day, we put her on there and she's like, oh, you know. We, we bribe her with Tic Tacs to sit on there. And um, so a couple weeks ago, I sit her on the potty. And like, I like hid behind like the door because I, I don't know, maybe she's got stage fright or something. I don't know. And um, she's sitting there and all of a sudden, tinkle, tinkle. She's like, oh. <gasps> And you would think I just won the lottery. I was just hooting and hollering, yeah! I was like so pumped. I, I have not been that excited since I graduated from college. And I was so excited. I had thought, gee, I was like, I'm complete now. This is perfect. But a good father, there's a point in here somewhere. A good father celebrates the success and the breakthrough of his child. Every good father celebrates the success and the victory of his child. And as you walk in his ways, his joy fills your ears. The Apostle John in 3 John says this, I believe inspired from the perspective of God's heart, says, I have no greater joy than this to hear my children walking in truth. No greater joy than you choosing truth. As we choose wholeness and victory, our spirit participates in the Father's celebration. I'm gonna skip. Let me say this about this. There's this funny relationship in challenge and struggle. God will encourage you, speak to you about enduring. And when you come out of that and you have victory from it, um, for, for me, for example, God spoke a, a very profound word from the scriptures and kept reminding it to me. It says that you will not be mastered by anything over and over and over again. And I have victory. And then all of a sudden, like that dialogue kind of like tuned out. Why is that people mistakenly think that God only wants to talk to you about your sin? There's like the biggest lie about hearing God's voice is you think that he wants to talk to you about your sin. And as I think back to it, I actually can't remember him actually talking about my sin. I just was hearing it as talking about my sin. He actually was saying something about my identity. You will not be mastered by anything. It wasn't a comment on my sin. It was a comment on he made me victorious. And every sin is not an issue about self-control and behavior. It's actually an issue about identity. And so those times when he was speaking to me, you would not be master. It was a, he was addressing my little pesky issue with an identity command, an identity proclamation. And so he spoke to my identity and it, it, it worked me through. But then what's interesting is that then in that victory, he began to speak to me about others. Why? Is that your victory is the key to someone else's breakthrough. When you realize that I have had victory in whatever it is, speaking to that one person by themselves in a chair, when you have victory there, you are now exceptionally qualified to lead others in the same victory faster than you got there. If you notice something amazing about here is that we have powerful people, but it's amazing from a leadership perspective to watch how new people come in and they grow faster than anybody else we've ever seen before. There's no time limits or hoops or courses that people need to go through or, you know, 
Jesus quizzes, anything like that. But we're seen as that people who've paid the price for wholeness in their life are able to bring people to wholeness faster than they got themselves. And that's why when you have victory, God will stop speaking maybe about your identity and actually start speaking about somebody else because you hold the keys to their own breakthrough and their own victory. Whew, you guys all right? I'm making it to the last one here. Here's one you're not gonna expect. Disobedience and failure. You will hear God's voice in disobedience and failure. The common perception is that God speaks to those who obey. God, if you hear nothing tonight, hear this. God does not limit his voice to you based upon your good performance. He does not withhold his voice because of your missteps. He does not punish you with withholding love because you messed up. If you get anything from tonight, that should be it. Let me paint the picture this way. In John 12, Jesus says that he is drawing all men to himself and women, all people. He is drawing all people to himself. That means believers and non-believers. How can you draw all people to yourself for only just existing Christians? So we need to know that God is speaking to the most lost people in the world and drawing them to him. And it is in the moments of our greatest failure, it's in the moments of our greatest denial of the truth, it's in the moments of the, we just blew it big time that we actually should hear God's voice the strongest. But here's a funny thing that happens, is that um, when we make mistakes, when we fall in, in compromise, we have sin, it, it's not that God doesn't speak loudly, it's just all these other voices decide to join the conversation. When you have an incredible fall, you can anticipate a battle for your heart and a battle for your mind. I believe God in those same moments, he's speaking as loud and as powerfully as he ever has, but there's just a now crowded room. One of the names of the devil is Beelzebub. You know that? Anybody know what Beelzebub means? Lord of the Flies. Exactly. Lord of the Flies. Satan has demons, right? Flies. Flies are attracted to wounds. Flies are attracted to wounds. Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. Demons are attracted to those who are wounded. Show me somebody who's wounded. Show me somebody who's got immense, horrible pain, and I'll show you an onslaught of people going after that, an onslaught of the demonic going after that person. Flies are attracted to these open wounds, and, and in wounded people, you'll find the greatest battle for people's hearts you've ever seen. But God does not choose to speak to you only when you make right choices, and, and maybe you're like, well, show me a scripture about that. Sure, I got it for you. Isaiah 30, 21. And you can apply this to life decisions. You can apply this to sin. You can apply this to anything. But check this out. Whether you turn to the right or, everyone say or. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your, hear, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Translation, whether you choose right or wrong, God will still say, this is the way. 
It's kind of like your GPS, right? We never get lost. You take a wrong turn, recalculating, you know? It does that. That is what God is always doing. He's always saying, this is the way. Walk in it. He's always giving you new direction. He doesn't say, you fool, you messed up. Oh, now I'm deleting your number and blocking you on Facebook and defriending you. He doesn't do that. You can take heart in knowing that no matter your choices, that God will continue to speak to you. And his, vo- his voice, if you notice, isn't focused on the past. It's focused on the future. Whether you turn to the right or the left, you'll hear a voice saying, why'd you turn to the left? No, you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it, go forward. But that does not mean, well, God never, ever, ever cuts off communication. But that does not mean there are not consequences to our decisions. When we hear God and then turn away, there's something that takes place and it is the hardening of your heart that begins to drown out God's voice. Don't mistake God speaking less or less clearly or less with less effort with your heart becoming hard. Hebrews 3 says this, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. There's a difference between sin and rebellion. Sin is not rebellion. Sin is an action, a thought, a behavior. Sin is a noun. Rebellion is a posture of your heart. It's closed off to God's voice. Rebellion is the hardening of your heart in response to God's voice. Better said, rebellion is being unaffected by God's voice has nothing to do with sin. You can be sinless and have a hard heart and be in rebellion. And you know when you're in rebellion when God's voice doesn't matter and is no longer noticeable in your life. The bottom line is that God is speaking to every person in this room. And you might be there like, maybe God's speaking to your voice right now. What does that mean? Don't harden your heart if you hear the voice of God. If right now you're hearing the voice of God, it could be for salvation, it could be to get freedom, it could be joining community, it could be any of the things, it could be lifting this depression, it could feel like you have you know, people after you, like you know, whatever it is, if God is speaking to your heart, it's saying if he's speaking, you hear his voice, don't harden your heart because when you do, it's gonna be so much harder to hear it later. That's what a hardening of the heart does. When you hear his voice and then you don't respond, it makes it so much harder to go back and then hear it again. Why? Because your heart has already turned off a direct source. You get calloused. You begin to get skeptical. It's amazing how many people have these like crazy encounters like, oh, I really felt God do this. And the next day, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh." no, it actually wasn't legit. That is such a dangerous place. Whenever you have an encounter with God, it is important that you memorialize, you acknowledge, you declare what was real and what wasn't. You tell your emotions what to feel about it. If it was from God, you make no mistake about it as from God, and then you hold on to that. You don't like put it into this, well, it's gotta go to trial, and um, we gotta have a whole lot of evidence you know, to back it up. Like, we need to be people who encounter God and put a stake in the ground and say that was God's voice because that stake in the ground is what will lead us back to hear more of God's voice. Amen? I love you guys. Good night.